0: Welcome to the Word Ministry of Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We trust that the following message will be a blessing. Open up your hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you through the preaching and teaching of one of God's choice servants. Hey, that was some great worship We're really excited that we can break the bread of God's word together. Today we're gonna continue talking about snapshots of Jesus in the book of Isaiah, and we're gonna talk about the the, uh, paradox or contradiction of the advent. The advent, of course, is the first coming of Christ. There'll be another advent, his second advent, his second bodily return, we all look for anxiously. So today I want us to see how the Old Testament depicts Jesus both as a lowly servant but also as a coming king in various scriptures talking about his advent. Uh, And so when Jesus came, he did quote from the scroll of Isaiah. Uh, We find that in Luke chapter 4. We also find many quotes from Isaiah throughout all of the Gospels. And Isaiah is a key person to understand, a prophet, We had a messianic vision and a messianic taste even before Christ came, and he preceded Jesus by uh, almost 800 years. So both Isaiah and the book of Psalms will give us a great depiction of who Jesus is prior to his coming, why he came, and then why he's going to come back the second time. The following Isaiah passage from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 9 to 12 gives two aspects of the messiah which often confused Jewish people because they were looking for a conquering king some were looking for maybe someone who was more of a shepherd and uh, you know a suffering servant so they didn't know if it was going to be two saviors or two messiahs uh, but of course Jesus came as one person who fulfilled everything Isaiah 40 verse 9 it says, go up unto a high mountain, O Zion, bearer of good news, or herald, or preacher of good news. So there, he's talking about the gospel. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, again, herald, or preacher of good news. Lift it up, fear not, say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. So you think there that the Lord is going to come as Messiah ruling with an iron fist as king, but then look at the explanation for it. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with the young. So it seems as though the Gospels depict the second part of that. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep. He says, my sheep hear my voice and they know me. It seems like this second part of Isaiah was who uh, appeared in the first advent. But we also know Jesus is coming a second time, not to save, but to judge those who rejected him. Uh, when we look at Isaiah chapter 6, which is a contrast from the next chapter that we're going to talk about, we see how Isaiah had an encounter uh, the vision of the glory of God. He was taken up into a heavenly council, a worship experience with seraphim, cherubim, and thousands of angels worshiping before God. And it says that the train of God's robe filled the whole heavenly temple. And the angels were crying out, Holy, Holy, Holy. So this is a vision of the exalted God, the exalted Christ. Uh, but we also see that the same exalted lofty God dwells with a person who's lowly and trembles at his word. Isaiah 57 verse 15 says, thus says the Lord who is high and lifted up, that's the Lord that appeared to Isaiah in chapter six, who inhabits eternity, meaning he had no beginning, he has no end, whose name is holy. The word holy means set apart. There's nobody like him. I dwell on the high and holy place but also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. So we see here the two aspects of God. Although he is high and he's holy and he's transcendent, yet he is imminent. He's walking with the lowly. And Jesus Christ fulfilled both both aspects of what God is looking for in a human being. Uh, Humility, but also a vision of the greatness of God at the same time. Jesus walked in both of that. Skipping on to chapter 7 of Isaiah, verse 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin, the young woman, Alma, the virgin, shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And of course, we know that Matthew quoted that when Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. We see that in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2. Uh, and uh, we find that he was born of the Virgin Mary in a lowly manger, a place where animals came to get fed. There was no room in the hotel, no room in the inn. Uh, He wasn't born in some lavish king's palace. The kings of the earth didn't even know about it at that point until the wise men from the east came several years later and Herod found out about it. But uh, we see that he was born in a lowly manger, this exalted God, yet, this is the paradox, this is the contradiction, he came to earth in a lowly way. Church Father John Christodum, or Chrysostom, however you want to pronounce it, he said that were she not to be a virgin, uh, there would not have been a sign. The sign is something that differs from the normal way things happen that is outside the natural manner. And certainly her birth, I'm sorry, his birth through the mother Mary was a sign of the times of the coming Messiah. Another church father, the said the Jews say, How then is it that he was not called Emmanuel, as it says in Isaiah 714, but Jesus Christ? One may answer, the prophet did not say you shall call him, but they shall call him Emmanuel. That is the events and deeds of Jesus' life will show that he is God and that he keeps company with us, even though he's God. Emmanuel, God with us. God, the exalted one, with us. That's what Emmanuel means. Holy scripture gives names that are derived from the events of one's life. Wow, powerful. Then we see this same Messiah who is born in a a lowly way, in a manner, unlike a king, unlike the king of the universe, in a manger. We see in chapter 9 of Isaiah another snapshot uh, talking about this son who is to be born. It says in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. So we see Isaiah 7:14 predicted a child born of a virgin and then it describes this child in chapter 9 verse 6 and 7 related to his essence and his rule so the virgin birth was the sign chapter 9 who is this person and what was he going to be called and look like and do and so it's we got to read the whole Isaiah snapshot together so it talks about how the government will be upon his shoulder now the government Is not just the government of the church it's talking about the government of the whole universe the kingdom of God is not the church the kingdom of God is the rule of God that emanates from the throne of God Jesus announced the kingdom when he came because he as the king of the kingdom was bringing his government the government is on his shoulder it's not in the Republican Party the Democratic Party the Parliament in England or any other Parliament in the world the government is on his shoulder as we see in Psalm 2, eventually all the nations are gonna be given to him as his inheritance. They already have been given to him, but eventually he's gonna rule over them in person. And so we find that the government is on his shoulders, and uh, thank God the government is really ultimately on his shoulders, because humanity has shown over the course of thousands of years that we only know how to mess things up when we try to rule ourselves. We have demonstrated that we cannot rule ourselves properly. And wow, has that been shown in the United States in the past several years uh, with all the infighting in the government uh, between the two parties. And it also says about this son that he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Jesus is the perfect counselor. He's not just a counselor. He is the Wonderful Counselor. And we could always count on Jesus to guide the church, to lead his sheep. His sheep know his voice. He never leads us astray. I'm always concerned about people who flippantly say God told them this, God told them that, and then they make stupid mistakes or they prophesy erroneous things when in essence God never said anything to them. Jesus is the wonderful counselor. He doesn't just give advice. He tells you what to do and his will. And what he says is perfect and it never falls to the ground oh that we need that now we need people of prayer people of the book people who surround themselves with mature leaders in the church who will hear God's voice together and collectively so that we can be the ones who glorify God in the earth during this Advent season he'll also be called a mighty God the word mighty God in the Hebrew means El Gabor means the champion he is our victor he is the one who defeated the Satan Typified when David defeated Goliath. He is the one who kills and defeats all the adversaries of the Lord. And when uh, John the Baptist was born, Zechariah, his father, prophesied that when Messiah would come, it says that he would deliver us from all of our enemies and from everything we fear. Isn't that amazing? In this Advent season, we have a champion. It's not a sports hero. It's not a celebrity. It's not a social media influencer. It's Jesus Christ, who's El Gabor, the mighty God. And through faith in Christ, we will overcome every challenge. Every challenge is an opportunity for God to be glorified, for God to be lifted up, for God to give us a testimony. Every mess becomes a message that glorifies God and encourages others to believe God. This child will also be called everlasting father, this son, this God, the son. Uh, Jesus said in John 10:30, I and the father are one. John 14, 6 on, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. So he was called the everlasting father, meaning he was the perfect expression, the perfect imprint, the perfect visible image of the father. No other person, even though we were all made in God's image, it tells us, in Genesis 1, and 27, Jesus, after the fall, was the only human who is able to perfectly depict and image God. He's also called the Prince of Peace. Uh, the Prince means that he's a leader of leaders who brings peace through conquering his enemies. The context El Gabor. Uh, Peace never comes by compromise. Jesus didn't make a peace treaty with the devil. He defeated the devil. It tells us in 1 John 3, 8 to 10, that this is the reason the Son of God appeared, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And so Jesus destroys the devil. He defeated him on the cross, and now he gives us peace. You never have peace through compromise. You just have more tension. And then it says, of the increase of his government and of peace, there'll be no end. I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for Jesus Christ. I'm looking for his kingdom to increase more and more. I'm looking for that perfect city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven throughout history, getting closer and closer to the earth as the gospel is expanding more and more and more as we see more people saved today than in history, more churches planted than in history. We see the gospel exploding in Africa, in Asia. In uh, India, uh, the greatest church planning movement in history is taking place in India. Probably the greatest church right now in the world is an underground church in Iran in spite of Sharia law. We see incredible things going on in Latin America. There's still a strong light of the Spirit in North America. Uh, uh, We see the church declining, unfortunately, in Western Europe, but everywhere else in the world, it's expanding why? Because the increase of his government and peace, there'll be no end. I'm not looking for apocalypse. I'm not looking for apostasy. I'm looking for glory, for revival, for awakening, for God to do greater things. The latter will be greater than the former. And so it talks about how his government will constantly increase. There'll never be a time when Christianity dissipates and uh, doesn't come back even stronger. It says... Uh, So there'll be no end of his government on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. Uh, And so we see here that this kingdom that Jesus came and announced was the continuation of the throne of David. So we see that connection with Israel, uh, with the people of covenant of the Old Testament, And that will never end even in Revelation 22. We see how uh, there is uh, the the gates of the new city will be the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. So the church in Israel will always be connected together as one body and one church. Uh, And we see that Jesus is establishing and upholding his kingdom with justice through his zeal. God is continually filled with passion. He's always exuberant. He's always excited. He's always filled with strong emotion. And what he wants to accomplish will be done. No matter what political parties in power, no matter what your world looks like right now, my hope and trust is in Jesus. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. So instead of looking at what's going on in the news, look at the Word of God and see who's really in control. So as we close this, we understand that this is the story of Advent. This is the time that we're celebrating in Christmas. It's a lot more than just giving gifts to each other. It's a lot more than just the baby Jesus being born in a manger. It's about the one in whom all of human history, God's whole kingdom and government and reign, centers around this man, Jesus Christ. In closing, do you know Jesus? Do you want to have a relationship with God through Christ? You can do so. The Bible says, as many as received Jesus, to them he gave them the right to become the children of God, who were born not of flesh and blood or of the will of men, but born from above. So if you want Jesus Christ, he died for you. He laid upon his back your sins and the sins of the whole world. And the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be, not might be saved you want to be saved, or well, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Why don't you pray this prayer if you want Jesus in your life? Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. Jesus, come in my life. I'm yours. Give me eternal life that I can live for you for eternity. Jesus, give me your spirit, help me, give me strength, now I pray, amen. If you just prayed that prayer, we want to connect with you, please get in touch with us, the information's on your screen, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You just made a decision, but now you have to become his student, a disciple in order to know the truth and the truth so the truth can set you free. I hope we see you in person real soon. This is Joseph Matera signing off. Have a great, great Christmas and a blessed new year. We trust that you were blessed. For more information regarding our church, please go to our website at www.resurrectionchurchofny.com or call 718-436-0242, extension 0.